I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm gonna start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research department. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. Sometimes people need a little help. Sometimes people need to be forgiven. And sometimes they need to go to jail. Hello and <laughs> welcome to Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, the only podcast that I'm aware of about Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Paul W.S. Anderson. My name is, of course, Eric Thomas Anderson. And my name is, of course, Jeremy W.S. Anderson. Hello! <laughs> it's good to be here. Great to be here. Um, you know, I'm glad that we're, I'm glad that we're back to, to Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, and this is something that I could simply Google, but um, I'm wondering if you know this off the top of, top of your head, Jeremy. I mm. was racking my brain trying to figure out which PTA movie comes after Magnolia, because it's not Punch mm. Drunk, is it? It is. Oh, it is. Oh, it okay. Is. For yeah. some reason, I thought Punch Drunk came later but it did yeah i think maybe you're thinking that because there was kind of a a long gap between uh magnolia and uh punch drunk i got you maybe maybe that's why i don't know i don't know but maybe that's why uh eric i gotta say we covered Uh this week uh the the 19 i'm sorry 2000 survival drama film castaway <laughs> along with yes. the 1999 epic psychological <laughs> drama magnolia <laughs> i'm a little dramaed out my dude <laughs> yeah we gotta you know it's well, as we're recording this jeremy i have a suggestion for you because we have uh it, tomorrow is halloween basically oh yeah uh not basically it is it is halloween <laughs> Yes. So, you know, if you're if you're dramaed out, might I suggest one uh serving of Hubie Halloween before it's That's a know. great call. You know, my girlfriend who fell asleep when we first watched it was going, you know, I wanted to you know, I'm hearing a lot about this Hubie Halloween. I wanna yes. check I wanna check that out. Uh and I was thinking, Oh baby, oh baby <laughs> I hit the jackpot here because I got to watch it once and now uh, someone wants to watch it again, I'm I'm in the front row. I'm ready to go for Hubie Halloween, the second watching of that. Have you seen it twice? I have watched. I threw it on, not like a proper viewing, but it was like on in the background while I was noodling around on my laptop. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's it's uh, you know I love. We don't have to talk about Hubie Halloween every episode, I suppose. But this is the last one until. Next October, Jeremy, which I'm going to guess is about 12 months away, 11 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until next Halloween. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm feeling really low energy today. I'm yeah, sorry. No, I'm trying to pick you. it I up a little bit. Well, it's, you know? it's, I blame the films. I do blame the, <laughs> uh, the content in the movies we watched as they are, uh, pretty, they're both pretty long and they're both pretty in, in, dramatic. And so that we can't we can't be blamed if we're not if we're not uh, doing jokes when we're getting done with our cry, <laughs> our fresh <Right>. cry. 
Jeremy, you know, you mentioned we're we're covering Castaway on the Patreon. That's right. Uh, that's no because shave. we're doing our No Shave November mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, over there. And what's our? How can people sign up for this Patreon? Well, Jeremy? you want to go to Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy for all the bonus content, the supplemental materials, as I like to call it. You know, because it's like a, uh, it's like a joke about how we're like a DVD. And we got bonus material on our uh, maybe Love a it. second di- a disc or something. And yeah, you go there and sign up at the $5 tier <laughs> and you can get, man, I mean, you can get uh, at least a hundred bonus episodes. That means at least a hundred hours plus of content available, ready there to, uh, to, for you li- to listen to. And it goes all the way back to our chat about Chucky days. So you know, there, there's all kinds of stuff on there. You know, we've evolved as a podcast so much. Um, and I, I just, I can't recommend it enough. We did just cover all of our Halloween stuff. So, you know, you probably don't have time if you're listening to this now to sign up before Halloween's over, but you get in on the ground floor on our no shave November month. We're covering films like Castaway, the Santa Claus, uh, quite possibly Swiss army man. We're not sure yet, but there's, there's going to be a lot of films where, where men aren't allowed to shave in them. So. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy, I got a couple more suggestions from the uh, from the fans here. Uh, oh, great. So we got another for Santa Claus. I think Drew Drew was suggesting a Santa Claus movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dad Wears Glasses recommended a documentary called I Am Santa Claus, which <laughs> looks very interesting about a bunch of men who are Santa Claus, like mall Santas or something. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. which looks good um my suggestion or you know not even a suggestion just the only other movie i could think of where someone has to grow facial hair right is teen wolf oh that's perfect yeah teen wolf has got to be in there um brian suggested the lighthouse i can't remember uh what th- i think we do see Patt- pattinson grow a beard over time does he grow one or does he start with one uh, I don't remember, but uh, <laughs> the other the other option from Michael Hearn was knocked up. We know Martin oh, Starr's character. Right. The whole bit is he uh, can't shave. He can't shave. Mm-hmm. He's got a so, face like Robin Williams' knuckles. That's uh, one of the jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got uh, we got a couple options there. You know, I was worried that we were just going to be doing Castaway three three weeks in a row. I wouldn't let us do that, so don't worry about okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So uh, we're talking PTA today, Jeremy, yes. and we're specifically talking Magnolia. Yes. What's your history with this movie? This uh, used to be my favorite movie of all time. This was a big one for me. I love the Magnolia. Uh, I'll get into how I feel about it now at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. Magnolia was a film that really got me into movie making. It's one of the big formative early films for me um, that got me into movie making uh, and just and and um, just like interested in film. You know, like uh, when I was a kid, I remember my parents rented this film back in '99, and uh, I they they sent me out of the room. I couldn't watch it. I wasn't allowed to. Uh, because there was, I guess, in the first few minutes, there's like boobs, I guess. <laughs> mm. But and so they saw that and they thought this is not for uh, a child. Um, but because they did that, 
it made me want to see it so badly. But keep in mind, I'm 13 years old. There's no, there's no reason for a 13 year old to watch Magnolia, right? There's no reason like a 13 year old would be interested in Magnolia. <laughs> right. But uh, I, I, I super was. And so later on, a few, a few years later, I, I found the movie at a, at a movie trading company. I bought it, bought the special edition, and I watched it. Like I thought I was doing something naughty. It's really funny when you're like, you think you're doing something really naughty and watching like a naughty movie. And it ends mm-hmm. up being Magnolia. <laughs> like yeah, that's, yeah. It's not quite like a Jason film, you know, like a, a film that you would typically not be allowed to watch for, you know, violent reasons or a gratuitous sex scenes. This is like a, uh, again, an epic psychological drama. And I was watching it as if it was porno or something. And I, right. I, uh, I finished the film and finished the film, A Changed Man. I had to know what this Paul Thomas Anderson was all about. And this led me to watch, you know, Boogie Nights. Uh, Punch Drunk was out at the time already. And uh, yeah, the, it, it, you know, it just kind of goes from there. This was also mm. one of those movies where I was like, okay, wait a minute. So Paul Thomas Anderson, he directs the film. And what does a director do? You know that moment where you're like, what What does a director even mean? You kind of you, you, do you remember that for you like uh, like realizing there was a role on a movie called a director and then you had to like kind of look up what what they did. <laughs> yeah, I think I think John Hughes, uh, John Hughes was the first director that I realized like oh this is that's what a director is because I remember I remember specifically seeing I was a big Ferris no I was a big fan of uh, the Breakfast Club yeah when I was a kid and then I had seen Ferris Bueller's day off on TV and saw that it was directed by John Hughes and really enjoyed it. And then I realized, Oh, I really like, I want to see all of John Hughes's movies. And then it kind of connected in my brain of like, well, this guy's not in the movie, right? But apparently he created it somehow. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, that that was my first experience, like realizing what a director was. I think, for, as far as Magnolia goes, I didn't. Uh, I think my first sort of awareness of PTA was, I mean, I had seen Boogie Nights before There Will Be Blood, mm. but There Will Be Blood was the one, um, and I think I had seen Punch Drunk before it too. But There Will Be Blood was the one where I like was like, oh, I gotta look into this more of this guy's stuff and then realized I had seen a couple of his films. Um, but I didn't get to Magnolia until I was probably in my early twenties or something. Oh, and wow. I had seen it and it's such a, it it's such a good movie, but it's also, uh, so exhausting, mm-hmm. like not in a bad way, but just in like, you have to be in a mood to watch Magnolia um and either you like have never seen it before and i think everyone should experience this movie or if you're watching it again you just know what you're in for and you know i talked to you about this this was mainly a scheduling thing for me but i ended up watching magnolia this time in like three chunks yeah Uh, just the way my i was i had a busy week and um i actually found that to be a pretty good experience, but I, it's really hard to figure out when to stop because this entire movie just feels like with the score and everything, mm. almost the entire movie feels like the third act of a movie. 
that just goes <laughs> on for like three hours. Like it's it's just it's so intense the entire time. Yeah, um, yeah. There are um, there are like pretty traditional act breaks in the film, but you're right; they're kind of connected through score. So like, yeah, uh, I would say like the I I know for sure the beginning of the third act sort of starts with that song they all kind of sing together um yeah and then and then from there it's like that's the third act so th- what we saw before was the second act I, I uh dad wears glasses also said he did a similar thing where kind of watched it in chunks and uh i i didn't do that even though i sh- uh i would have done that if i was watching it just by myself but because i was showing jackie this movie for the first time I wanted oh, her to get okay. the full like oh, sitting yeah. through it experience. So we just took bathroom breaks and it was like, I mean, we started at three and we were done by six and that it, it was just like okay. your whole day is watching Magnolia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. that's man. That's, that's crazy to watch it in like the middle of the day. Like I, I can't know. imagine going to see this movie like a matinee right? and then leaving and just being like, Okay, well, I guess I just have to like live through the rest of a day now. Have <laughs> <laughs> you experienced this? Like, I, I don't know. know. I mean, I say that as a, it like praising the movie. Like, it's just so it it like it takes a lot out of you emotionally and mentally. I think. Um, yeah, for sure. And there's me, like a, a lot of juggling men- me- mentally you have to do during the film. Like, you kind of have to remember all the threads that he's showing you and like that's you i don't know i i I made a joke on twitter about how you know i used to have all this patience for films and now i really only have patience for like one and a half tiktoks but and (laughs) but that's kind of true where i i like i you just can't i just can't sit down and watch three hours of a movie i don't think it's a matter of getting older I, i i really do think it's a matter of our you know our attention spans as consumers are just so different than when this movie came out like there there's just you couldn't it's it's tough you know i mean I, although those marvel movies still do make pretty long features uh, they're f- packed full of action and <laughs> uh yeah. you know uh thanoses and stuff so yes. Magnolia is is packed full of like uh, drama, <laughs> like like oh, yeah. conversations, and it's you know um, I remember I could I used to be able to watch this movie you know front to back no problem and and you know as now I'm like it's just a different type of uh, landscape we're in now so yeah a loopy landscape R- truly tr- truly loopy I I uh, have been saying that for years so. Um, let's see. So I guess we can dive into the, uh, I, for some reason, I feel like we haven't recorded in years. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> it's been a minute. Cause it, we've, yeah, it, it's, we've been doing like a pretty regular schedule, but, uh, I anyway. will, if you want me to take care of some of the trivia of the movie, um, I can do that before we get into the plot. Sure. Unless you, unless you wanted to take it. Jeremy. 
Take the wheel, my friend. All right. So, and I'm only doing this, mind you, because I, the, because I was such a big fan of this film and Paul Thomas Anderson. When this movie, when I first got into this movie, I, I was like on forums about Magnolia. Now, Eric, have you ever done a deep dive into all the hidden stuff in Magnolia? No. Okay. I have not. Okay, great. Well, let me uh, tell you about some. So, uh, a little overview of the film. It is a 1999 epic psychological drama film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It is his junior uh, attempt at directing, not, uh, Boogie Nights being a sophomore and uh, Heartache being his freshman. It is an ensemble cast that threads together the stories of all these different people, including actors like Tom Cruise. Melinda Dillon, Philip Baker Hall, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ricky Jay, William H. Macy, Alfred Molina, John C. Riley, Julianne Moore, Jason Robards, and Melora Walters. It is Jason Robards' last film. He is dying of cancer in real life. Which one is he? Which which character is he? He is Tom Cruise's dad, the dying oh, old okay. man. So he yeah. actually is. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's actually dying of cancer while he's record making this movie it's it's uh strange it's a it's kind of a rare thing to have captured on film um you know uh the music is by john bryan uh he will end up doing the music for pta for one more film and then it's on to johnny greenwood uh oh yeah and, you know, lots of uh, Amy Mann in there. Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson is quoted to have said that he wrote this man, uh, movie for Amy Mann. Amy Mann's music inspired PTA to write the script and at least one lyric and possibly more from an Amy Mann song was lifted and used as dialogue. In the song Deathly, the lyric wow. goes, now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing each other again? And that is... A direct line from the Melora Walters character. Now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing me again? This uh, this movie is notably it, it's it's pretty much known for uh, giving Tom Cruise an uh, an Oscar nomination uh, for his role as Frank T J Mackey. I'm gonna go out there and say that Frank T J Mackey is probably the most iconic character from this movie. And uh, yeah. for a lot of reasons, one, the character is absolutely crazy, and uh, two, uh, Tom Cruise doesn't usually play roles like that. Um, apparently, the story is PTA made a visit to the set of Eyes Wide Shut, a film that Tom oh, Cruise yeah. was in in 1999, where he offered the role to Frank T.J. Mackey. What that tells me, Eric, is that he had Tom Cruise for a very short amount of time. If he was able to contact and visit the set of Eyes Wide Shut in the same year this movie released um that means yeah that, yeah they probably only had him for a, yeah i bet they only had him for a weekend i mean uh because they i, I know this film has got a you know 37 million dollar budget you know tom cruise what does right. he take like 30 million dollars of that <laughs> to, yeah. to do the movie um so uh this film also uh is paul thomas anderson considers it his greatest uh work in fact um He's uh, quoted to have said that Magnolia is, for better or worse, the best movie I'll ever make. Um, Fiona Apple is this, is, is, is this oh. right now? Uh, actually, I think you you you'll probably get to this at the end. Is this your favorite ma- PTA movie? I'll get or to that at the that? end. I'll, I'll save okay. that for the end. But uh, okay. you know. 
It was in the past, though, it, right? It, it was not only my favorite PTA movie. It was my favorite movie. Um, it, it used to be like, yeah, my absolute favorite movie. Um, and I'll get to I'll get to how I feel about it uh, at the end. Uh, musician Fiona Apple is responsible for many of the paintings seen throughout the movie. All of the paintings are pretty much paintings of magnolias. I, I meant to look this up, but what is the? Do you know what the sig- significance is of magnolia? Like the magnolia flower. If I, I, there might be more significance to uh, the particular flower of a magnolia, other than what is, I think, the most obvious metaphor is that a, a flower in general is a is a set is like a one thing with many petals connected to it, and that's sort of what the film is is like this one story that has all these different threads and people connected to it. So if you look at the poster mm. for magnolia each petal of the magnolia flower has a different character on it so it's like it's supposed to be like they're all connected i think is the idea but i mean again there might be more um to it than that uh yeah john c Riley apparently was uh tired of playing what he called heavies <laughs> so he asked okay. PTA to uh, write him a movie where he fell in love with a girl. <laughs> Great. Um, he heard the uh, the White Stripes song and wanted yes. to fall in love with a girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, John C. Riley also, this character is sort of a reprisal that Paul Thomas Anderson and John C. Riley used to do together, where uh, apparently they would dress John C. Riley up as a cop, and Paul Thomas Anderson would follow him around with the camera. And they would just make little sketches together, like little comedy sketches. And one of them, famously, is they just go to Philip Seymour Hoffman's house as, <laughs> as, <laughs> as, a, as he's a cop, and they just, you know, talk to him about, you know, whatever, keep your music down, or you know, uh, yeah, pretty Man, funny stuff. What a, what a great, um, what a great actor to sort of like start off your career with and just like continue to work with. John C. Riley is no kidding, and Philip Baker Hall. Like you know, we talk about. Wes Anderson and, uh, you know, like the Will, he's got the Wilson brothers that he worked with early on, and now mm-hmm. they're just kind of like mainstays. And, yeah. You know, Lynch had Jack Nance, and it's always interesting to, I, I love it when directors kind of like pick, pick their people. Yeah. Especially when they've been working together since like the beginning of their careers. Like, uh, you know, we saw that with David Lynch and some of, some of the people he worked with, is he literally, they started his career and he started their career. And I think we get a little bit of that with John C. Riley and PTA too. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it almost feels like these, uh, like directors like Tarantino and PTA and David Lynch and a handful of others. It's almost like they start their own, um, theater company or something where they have these like, uh, featured players that they'll use again and again and again in, in every movie they make. And, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for the first his first three films, and I'm gonna count actually Punch Drunk as the as as another one. He it's like he just uses the same cast a kind of a few mm-hmm. times in a row. Like Boogie Nights and Magnolia almost have identical casts. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> and um, you know like Louise Guzman and Philip Seymour Hoffman, they're in the first four films of of his. Um, in a row. And John C. Riley is in the first three films in a row. So it's like, 
and Julian Julian Moore is in the first two, and you know it's 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 kind of cool to see like yes, um, and uh, Luis Guzman of course were famously works with PTA again in PTA's um, uh, comedy film Waiting. Yes, of course, uh huh. Where yeah, he plays the uh, chef, the hilarious <laughs> yeah. cook who throws steak on the ground. <laughs> My new character is a guy who a guy who thinks PTA directed the movie Waiting. <laughs> Uh, that, uh, the phone number, uh, 877-TAME-HER is a real uh-huh. phone number, or at least it was. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, Eric, you used to be able to call it. I don't know if you ever tried this, but it would, ta- it would take you to an answering machine that where Tom Cruise recorded a, a, uh, an, a, a whole call service answering machine for it. And it would like, would go on and on. And, uh, it was pretty funny, pretty funny gag. That's fun. Um, the there is a number of hidden things in the movie hidden meanings um and uh i think the biggest one here is eric do you know about the 82 the exodus 82 82 you know anything about that no i oh, don't okay so hidden throughout the film over a hundred times is the number 82 uh okay. it can be seen and uh, almost every scene of the film, you can see an 8-2. And that is a reference to the Bible verse, Exodus 8-2, which is, of course, the Bible verse where uh, God uh, inflicts the Egyptians with a, a curse, a plague of frogs. That, um, is this during, is this part of the like Passover story? Because is yeah. this connected to like, there? there's a point where they're like, smearing blood on their door yep yeah mm-hmm. okay this is the same thing so it's like 10 days worth of plagues and uh one of the days is uh, a plague of frogs frogs just invade the city um Wonderful. so like you know some of these are not you know say if you if every any clock in the film is on h2 for example um uh, like there's a there's a scene in the beginning of the movie where Sidney Barringer, the guy who jumps off the building in the beginning, uh, if you look to the left of him, there's like ropes on top of the building that are just tied into the numbers eight two. Uh, mm. Yeah, there's um, uh, trying to think of like a, a bunch of other ones. Oh, another notable one is in the when you see the the quiz show uh what do kids know and you look there's the shot of you know jimmy gator coming out and saying hello to everybody and then you look at the audience and like there's like one guy in the audience who's just holding up a sign that says exodus 8 (laughs) 2 okay (laughs) yeah they're all it's all over the film and uh yeah the to elaborate the final riddle is never answered in the um quiz show what do kids know you know what i'm talking about the uh how they're doing like the the different musical notes and they're saying like Uh ah well that is egg e-g-g well the final one is b-e-e um which is another reference to eight two b being an eight and then two e's oh i see yeah gotcha uh oh and the last thing i'll say is ingmar bergman the legendary ingmar bergman director of the seventh seal and uh fanny alexander was a particular fan of this film i believe the quote is something to the effect of like uh it's movies like magnolia that prove that america is like like a cinematic is like is making dangerous cinema or something like that Mm. pretty cool 
So with that being said, and if I think of more stuff along the way, I might just blurt it out because there's there's like so much um, great uh, trivia in in the film. Um, Please do. I might. Uh, let's see. We'll go. I'll go through. Uh, I'll go through the old plot here of Magnolia and. Uh, Let's see. So it begins, the narrator recounts three instances of incredible coincidences and suggests that forces greater than chance play important roles in life. Yeah, I love the um, Sidney Barringer one. I think that one's the, the most fun. The one where he jumps off the building and his mom accidentally shoots him through the window. Yeah, yeah. It's a very... Um, I, I do remember watching this movie for the first time and just immediately being um, being on board with it. Yeah, it's re- it's know. a really cool opening. Like it seems it seems like dark and dangerous, kind of like uh, like ooh, yeah. kind of gritty. And it makes you question reality, right? <laughs> yeah, which is like like immediately, it's like asking you to uh, sort of get in this very like existential like mindset. Um, yeah, those are all true stories, you- by the way. All three. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, police officer Jim Curring, uh, investigates a disturbance at a woman's apartment, finding a body in a closet. Uh, Dixon, a neighborhood boy, tries to tell him who committed the murder, but Jim is dismissive. Uh, did you get this whole thing, by the way? Did you get, did you get like this whole plot with the worm? No, I, you know, cause it happens Er, so early on that I think I was um, this happens to me with movies and it's sort of a problem of mine is I'm still taking in like things like who's in the movie and like the tone of the movie and stuff where I miss important (laughs) um, like clues about what's happening with the narrative so I didn't really understand what this kid's deal was Um, I mean I like his dynamic with uh John C. Riley's character, but I don't know. Did you pick up on this right away? Um, no, no. This would this would take like multiple viewings of mine to even understand like that there was something being said here. But uh, yeah, so I guess the 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 worm is this person who killed this guy in the closet. <laughs> we'll just go ahead and like yeah. tell say what it is right here. Um. Yeah, so and like uh I think it's like the it's that guy you see creeping around. You, multiple times in the film you'll see that guy kind of creeping around. He like goes and gets the little kid from her room at one point. You remember that scene? Mm. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a person named the worm I think killed this guy. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm kind of like I'm trying to re- refresh my uh my memory here, but um yeah, the, in 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 the rap, apparently the kid gives away who killed the guy in the closet. But Jim, of course, being that he is a bad police officer, doesn't listen to the kid. And you know, um, oh, I see. Yeah, uh, there's something like uh, I like this guy that's quoted it on Reddit as saying like, if you're watching it on the DVD, there's like a deleted scene that gives more to the worm story. But who the killer is isn't really important to the tale. More to it, if Officer Jim was able to catch the worm, his story would fall apart. He is a failure at everything after all, and winning would ruin that. Um, so I think gotcha. like the idea here is, uh, yeah, he's not allowed to. Um, 
And I actually, there's another, there's another part factor about the worm story, their little kid story that I, that I'll, uh, I guess I'll get to a little bit later about Jim losing his gun that I've never, I, I knew that, like, I remember that that happened before, but I, I was like, I was like, what's the deal with that? Who cares? Like, what is this about? I'll, I'll get to it when that part happens, but I haven't, I have a theory about that scene too. Um, Jim goes to the apartment of Claudia Wilson. Uh, Claudia's neighbors called the police after she argued with her estranged father, uh, children's game show host, Jimmy Gator. And I like, I like his sort of spiel about like how she's damaging her eardrums and her neighbor's ears. One of the funniest parts of the whole movie in a movie that doesn't have a lot of things that are funny (laughs) about it. Yeah, I will say there's a few there. Yeah, there are only a couple things in this movie that make me laugh. And I think I don't think it's supposed to be a very funny movie. But some of the John C. Riley stuff, like when he drops his uh, uh, walkie talkie when he's still standing outside of her apartment Mm -hmm. is funny. And also there's like a recurring thing where William H. Macy's character is just always listening to Alanis Morissette in the car. Oh yeah, Did no Gabriel. Gabriel. Oh, okay, that's the name Gabriel. of the artist. Yeah, her name is the gotcha. Gabriel. The, the, and the song is called Dreams. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and he's always listening to this song called Dreams in his car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then also with William H Macy, every song you hear in the bar is done by um, Supertramp. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's great. That might be my favorite. Um, my favorite scene. The movie. Oh, when that, he gets there, the whole shot yeah. when he gets there, and we see him light up the cigarette, and yeah, that music is so good. They reminded me of Boogie Nights a lot. Oh, totally, and like you have that nice floating camera that just like sort of like go like it slowly pans around the whole bar, and you land on the the you find out the bartender has braces, and <laughs> that's why yeah, that's why he wants braces the whole movie. Um, yeah, so we should like the the way I'm realizing as I'm, as I kind of skim through this Wikipedia article, like this is not, this is like structured in a very strange way. Um, so, uh, before we, I think, I think we should still use it, but before we do that, let's go ahead and set up each one of these characters. So like, let's just set up every character. So when we get to their part, we kind of know what they are because like in the beginning of the film, it sets them up. So we should just kind of set up like who they are a little bit um do you do you mind uh yeah let's see so we got john z riley yeah we kind of went through him melora walter uh uh walters is claudia who she so she's a a coke addict who's sort of like uh a bar fly she'll go out and like bring guys home from a bar uh, her, yes. her dad yeah. is Philip Baker Hall, who's Jimmy Gator. He's the host of a game show called What Do Kids Know? Yes. And William H. Macy is sort of a former star of that. Is it that game show or is it a yes. different one? Yes. William H. Macy game? was a, a contestant on that show when he was a kid. And he's a, actually kind of like a famous sort of personality quiz kid donnie smith uh a thing that would never happen in real life like a kid from the 60s being famous and people recognizing (laughs) him on the street as an adult like that's um but yeah so when jimmy gator was younger he was still the host of that show uh so that they're kind of connected there jimmy gator by the way is dying of cancer we find that out very early on that he has been diagnosed with cancer that's why he goes to his daughter's house 
and he tries to tell her that her, his daughter freaks out and kicks him out. And we're not really sure why. Yes. Um, Jimmy Gator also has a wife named Rose, who's Claudia's mom. Uh, Rose mm-hmm. is sort of one of these California, Southern California, uh, you know, a sun damaged <laughs> uh, white, rich white women. Um, you have uh, Jason Robards, who is uh, Earl Partridge. He is like a, a, a sick, dying man in bed. So he's also dying of cancer, but he's much farther along in his cancer. He's also the producer of What Do Kids Know? We find that out okay. later. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a par- Earl Partridge production we see at the end of the, of the credits. Got it. So that's how he's connected to them. His wife is Julianne Moore, his much younger than him wife. Uh, she is a, a drug addict also, not unlike Claudia. She is uh, also... Um, clearly in that marriage for his money mm-hmm. uh and then phil parma who's played by philip seymour hoffman is his caretaker and nurse and pretty early on in the film jason robards will ask philip seymour hoffman to get in touch with his son jack who he also reveals mm-hmm. has changed his name to frank tj Mackey. And Eric, why don't you? Yes. Who is Frank T.J. Mackey? Just explain. Frank, <laughs> Frank Mackey is uh, just picture the worst guy on earth, uh, and that's him. He's a yeah. He's I mean he's like uh, made a career out of Wikipedia says motivational speaking, but essentially <laughs> t- teaching men t- how to manipulate women. Um, yeah, he's a pickup he's, artist. He's, yeah, a pickup artist and just a really, a really bad, really bad guy. Yes, absolutely right. He is um, also like I think, you know, uh, one of the most compelling characters I've ever seen on screen. Like he is a he's infinitely watchable. He reminds me of like that when Daniel Day Lewis plays a villain in anything, where you're just like like yeah. Bill the Butcher. You're like, oh my god. I hate, love this guy. Like, there's something about him you just love inherently. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what it is, but... Um. I really respect a, a performance like this. Oh, yeah. Because I don't... Even if I had, like, the uh, Tom Cruise's acting abilities, I don't think I, like, w- could have handled doing this. Like, I, you have to make yourself into such a terrible person (laughs) and you have to like also know that like there's people out there who probably have seen this and just like that's all what they think of when they see tom cruise now you know what i mean oh yeah there's playing a bad guy and then there's playing someone like this who's just absolutely detestable and you just can't disconnect them you know luckily i've i mean i've seen enough other tom cruise stuff he's great in everything but Man, it's like it's 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 got to be hard. It's got to be really hard to to pull this off. Oh man, I I mean I I wonder how if it was also a blast to play this character. I mean like like I I believe I think his monologue at the beginning of this uh, when we first meet him and we get the 2001 Space Odyssey uh, music that that monologue to me is like one of the all time great cinema monologues. So I was showing this to my girlfriend. So and take this with a grain of salt. But um, I was afraid of what she was going to think of Frank T.J. Mackey. <laughs> like, I was yeah. sort of dreading her, uh, like, maybe it's aged poorly or she was going to um, hate it. And uh, so 
when we got through the movie, I was like, so yeah, what'd you think? She, there were parts of this movie she really didn't like. And I'll get to some of those maybe like a little later. And Frank T.J. Mackey was not one of them. I think that there's something about a white man portraying sort of how people uh, suspect white men think already, honestly, (laughs) that she was saying like, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, he's a piece of I didn't have a problem with his character at all, though. She was like, he's... Hmm. He was, uh, you know, I think there's something that's like um, inherently sort of like tragically honest about his like psycho portrayal of that of that character where it's like, I th- I think that, I don't know, my, my suspicion would have been, oh, well, Jackie, being that she is a woman would hate this guy. And she was like, no, you know, I actually found parts of his story to be actually empathetic. Like she sympathized with Frank T.J. Mackey and was allowed to. And a character she wasn't able to sympathize with was the cop. <laughs> yeah. Was Jim, which I always thought was like a character who is sympathetic, very sympathetic, like a, like a good guy. And she, and, and she had more problems with his character than Frank, huh. Frank makes. But take that with a grain of salt. Everyone's allowed to feel however they want about whatever. Um, so, Eric, the only character we haven't really mentioned is Stanley Spector, who is the child Kid? in the film. Yes. Yeah. And he is the new kind of reigning champion of what do uh, what do kids know? Um, and he is this one. He's like a wonderkind, very smart uh, a child. And yeah, so that's every character. Uh, William H Macy's character we didn't really get super into. He wants braces. That's one of his things because he's he got hit by lightning and now he's uh, may not be mentally very stable at this point in his life and, you know, traumatized by being a child celebrity and is now very much in love with a bartender who mm-hmm. has braces <laughs> and <laughs> thinks that if he gets braces, the bartender will fall in love with him too. So, uh, those are all the characters. That's how they're all connected to each other. I feel like now we can probably go through this Wikipedia and, oh, and, we, yeah. and we don't have to like, cause it, it's straight up just skipping all kinds of scenes. So yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, Jim, yeah, so Jim asks Claudia on a date. She says yes. Uh, Jimmy hosts a long-running quiz show, What Do Kids Know? Uh, and is dying of cancer. He has only a few months to live. Uh, that night, the newest child prodigy on the show, Stanley Spector, takes the lead as the show begins. He is hounded by his father for the prize money and uh, demeaned by the... Surrounding adults who refuse to let him use the bathroom during a commercial break. Uh, yeah, this is really sad. This yeah. Is like, uh, yeah. It's, it's, his it's, his it's, dad it's is really mean to him. That's sort of and his story. Yeah. Did uh, I know that PTA worked as a PA, like when he was just starting out? I can't. For some reason, I think that it was a game show that he worked on. But oh, that's um, fun. I wonder if that's yeah, the I could case. Be wrong yeah. About that, but I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if that he drew inspiration from that. But uh, when the show resumes, he wets himself and freezes, humiliated when everyone realizes what happened. Uh, at the show, as the show continues, an inebriated Jimmy sickens, and he orders the show to go on after he collapses. Uh, but after Stanley's father berates him for freezing on air, Stanley runs away from the studio. So. Yeah, we should also mention too that like Jeremy Blackman, the guy who plays 
Stanley Spectre, uh, you think like as a child actor, okay, he might he's gonna have a career and be on other stuff. Like his last acting mm. job was in 2011, so he doesn't actually. Oh wow! And he doesn't do very much as an actor. In fact, I don't think he's an actor now at all. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, this is a this is really sad. Uh, we should also mention Luis Guzman. His character is one of the adults. So the way the game show works is kids versus adults, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Luis Guzman, his character bit is that he's obsessed with milk for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, very funny choice, but um, but yeah, we can go on. Uh, Donnie Smith, former what, uh, what Do Kids Know champion, watches the show from a bar. Donnie's parents spent the money he won as a child, uh, and he has just been fired from his job at Solomon Solomon, an electronics store due to chronic lateness and poor sales. Uh, he is obsessed with getting oral surgery, thinking he will land the man of his dreams after he gets braces. He hatches a plan to get back at his boss by stealing the money he needs for his braces. Yeah, all this all um, this Donnie Smith stuff is actually really good, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. Like, another thing uh, Jackie pointed out to me that I thought was really interesting and that i had not really thought about before uh but she said like a lot of the films she found to be kind of confusing like the way people were talking to each other she was like this doesn't feel how people actually talk to one another um and i think what she was mentioning was most of the donnie smith stuff because these scenes in the bar with donnie smith like the way that the old man is talking to him and the way he's responding it's like it's like two people having a conversation in a in a play or a different time from a different time or something uh do you kind of agree with that where he's like they're saying stuff like uh easy on now friend your tea's getting cold ah what do you know about tea you know i'm a i'm from the you know like they're like they're like talking like about nothing kind of yeah yeah i get i get what you mean and uh if you are like me and you were scratching your head trying to figure out who the heck that uh, old guy is uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's he- Henry Gibson who I recognized from the Blues Brothers yeah he's also from the Burbs oh he is in yes mm-hmm. yeah ma- yeah great yeah. call yeah um, the Burbs by the way Brian we gotta know I know you watched the Burbs we gotta get your Burbs your Burbs verdict very curious yeah, give me the Burbs know. take yeah. Also, if any anyone out there, open invitation, tweet at us, let us know what you think of the movie The Burbs. Uh, the yeah. show's former producer, Earl Partridge, is also dying of cancer. Earl's trophy wife, Linda, collects his prescriptions for morphine and other drugs while he is cared for by a nurse, Phil Parma. Um, Earl asks Phil to find his estranged son, Frank Mackey, Motivational speaker peddling a pickup artist course to men. Frank is in the midst of an interview with a journalist who reveals that she knows Frank had to take care of his dying mother after Earl abandoned the family. Uh, An angry Frank storms out of the interview when Phil gets through to him. Uh, Another one of my favorite moments is uh, sort of at the beginning of this interview... When Tom, uh, I almost called him Tom Green. When Tom Cruise is like <laughs> changing. Yeah, when his bum like, was on the chair. 
Yeah, his mom was. Uh, yeah, and he uh, the, he does a move where he's like puts on pants and then like does a backwards somersault and like <laughs> yeah. shoots in the air. It's yeah. truly, it's I've never seen acrobatics mixed with dressing yourself before, yeah. and he really does a good job with it. Yeah, it's I don't know how they made this scene work, but it's one of the more interesting looking scenes in the whole movie because because yeah. Tom Cruise is like really uh, on adrenaline from doing his little speech and yeah he's he's like he's like in his completely in his underwear he does this like backwards hands uh, stand somersault and then he like he he takes a towel. And then he dabs himself, mm-hmm. and then from behind his back, he throws it to his handler, and the guy yes. catches it perfectly. And it's just like, the, you know how hard it is to just do <laughs> acting, like sitting down, talking, like let yeah. alone More all of these than moves. Not, just like normally trying to put on pants, I will put the wrong leg in the wrong <laughs> pant leg. Yeah, and you don't even have a camera on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, too, this interviewer is great. Uh, she's one of the only people of color in the movie, which is like something I'll get mm-hmm. into later that I think is kind of lacking in this movie. Is This movie's in really white. It's inherently white. Uh, yeah. But I do think this woman is awesome, and this interview is really hard to watch. <laughs> like, yeah. The way yeah. that he Tom Cruise is lying to her the whole time, and when he keeps getting caught in his lies, I want to die. It is so yeah, uncomfortable. It's, it's rough. <laughs> um, and he like screams at her at the Dude, end. Dude, right? he charges at her, and it and yeah. we, me and Jackie both gasped when we saw it. It's it's really, it's a really powerful telling moment in this in that scene that he almost attacks her. He's so upset, yeah. and in that moment. I think we both agreed. He just looks like such a little kid. Like he is such just a child. It's like he never grew up. It's kind of the thing about his character, yeah. you know? Um, Linda goes to see Earl's lawyer begging him to change Earl's will. Uh, she admits she married Earl for his money, but now loves him and does not want it. The lawyer suggests she renounce the will and refuse the money, which would go to Frank. Uh, Linda rejects his advice and leaves in rage. Linda berates Phil for seeking out Frank, but later apologizes. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, she then drives to a vacant parking lot and washes down handfuls of prescription meds with alcohol. Uh, and Dixon finds Linda in her car near death and calls an ambulance after taking some money from her purse. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, lady. Lady. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is... Um, Linda, is, what do you think of Julianne Moore in this movie? Like, her character and everything. I mean, it's a great performance. I was... It is... It's a little... Uh, it's very intense, and I guess it's supposed... Like, it should be. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was a little hard for me... Like it, it I didn't. I don't think I realized the first time I saw this movie, like really what her, like I almost thought that maybe she was like the daughter, like Earl's daughter or something. Sure, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I love her performance in it. What What do you think of Claudia? Well, uh, Linda, or not she's, Claudia. She's got uh, some of the more iconic scenes. Is her are hers? Oh, yeah. I think I realized for the first time watching it, uh, watching it this in this go around. I'm like. 
I would have liked her character to be a little bit more developed because I think you're right, Eric. Like you could, if you, if you blink, you might miss who she is at all. And they also don't give you a lot of like, they don't give you any reason for why she is the way she is. Like we don't know anything about her throughout the whole movie. All we are know is that she's, yeah, into him for his money and then changes her mind. But we don't even know really why she changes her mind. Like, why does she suddenly right. go, he's a beautiful man? <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, I, I guess I just had a hard time this time understanding her character. Um, you know, uh, I, she's certainly, uh, it's certainly an Oscar-worthy performance. But oh, yeah. uh, I just, I, I wanted to know a little more. Like, what? why any of it why why are you so upset why are you a drug addict why are you know and and like some like with a movie like this a lot of the characters are going to be underdeveloped but you know Mm -hmm. she might be one of the more underdeveloped characters i think right um before his date with claudia jim takes fire during a pursuit and loses his gun when he meets claudia they promise to be honest with each other so he confesses his ineptitude as a cop and admits he has not been on a date since he was divorced three years earlier. Claudia says he will hate her because of her problems, but Jim assures her that her past does not matter. They kiss, but she runs off. Mm. Poor Jim. Yeah, that kiss scene's pretty intense, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the all-time great moments. Yeah, I love their chemistry. I like these two. I like these two together. Yeah, we missed. We totally missed that scene, the pain in the jaw scene, where they're like having coffee yes. and it's raining, and yeah, it's nice. I I really like them. I really do. Um, Jimmy goes home to his wife Rose and confesses that he cheated on her. She asks why Claudia does not talk to him, and Jimmy admits uh, that Claudia believes he molested her. Uh, Rose demands to know if it's true, but Jimmy says he can't remember. Uh, if it is upset, Rose tells Jimmy he deserves to die alone and walks out on him. So, <sighs> yeah. So this is another uh, scene. Jackie was like, "Are they talking in riddles? Why? Why are they saying <laughs> things?" Because she says the line, uh, "Oh, you know, you know," and he keeps saying, "But I don't know what I've done." And she's yeah. like, "But you won't say." And he's like, "But I don't know what I've done, Rose." And he's like, "But you won't say." And and. And you're and I was like, even though I get it and I sort of get the art of the conversation, like the art of what they're talking about, uh, mm. for a newcomer, I I kind of saw it through Jackie's eyes and I was like, yeah, they're not really. This scene is really written weird. It's written in a way that's like, yeah, she's saying you won't say, and it's kind of like that doesn't seem like something someone would actually say to somebody. Uh, and she said, and, but you should know better. She says to him. And I really like that line. And that, that, you know, that's like a classic for me. But then I was looking, but then Jackie was kind of like, what do you mean you should know better? What is she talking? Did he do it or not? Like she had no idea leaving that scene if he had actually molested her or not. When I believe the scene is truly trying to telegraph to the audience, he definitely did. Yeah. That's my read too. Mm -hmm. Um, so Donnie takes money. Also, yet another uh, movie, PTA movie, where um, uh, uh, Philip Baker Hall turns out to be just like a, a pretty bad guy. You know? Oh yeah. Well, he's not the, the he's not the guy who gets arrested in Boogie Nights. Are you talking about yeah, Hard Eight? Yeah, 
Yeah, but in Har- yeah, I'm talking about Harvey. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess absolutely. he is in Boogie Nights, too. Yeah. 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 Uh, Donnie takes money from the Solomon Solomon safe. <laughs> Solomon Solomon safe. Uh-huh. Uh, as he drives away, he decides to return the money, but discovers he can't get back in as his key broke off in the lock. While climbing a utility pole to get on the roof, he is seen by a passing gym. Uh, suddenly, frogs begin falling from the sky with multiple mm-hmm. consequences. Uh, as Jimmy is about to shoot himself, frogs fall through the skylight, causing him to shoot the TV, which so sets his awesome. house on fire. <laughs> so awesome! Yeah, <laughs> that's one uh, of the best. Rose. That's one of the better ones. Is the skylight frog? <laughs> oh yeah, because we actually get to see it like moving in the air as it's falling. <laughs> I love how. Uh, like damaging these frogs are too because that really is like a frog falling from the sky that would for sure crack a windshield oh yeah if not break through it yeah um, for sure yeah so rose crashes her car in front of claudia's apartment but makes it inside and reconciles with her daughter earl is awakened by the sound and sees frank beside him before dying uh linda's ambulance crashes in front of the emergency room Donnie is knocked from the pole, smashes his teeth, and is dragged to safety by Jim. Mm. Um, yeah, I think this is a common, or this is a, this is a uh, uh, well-known bit of trivia is that PTA wanted, they allude to it's raining cats and dogs like multiple times in the film. Yeah. So is it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the original idea was for it to have it rain cats and dogs. Oh, I don't know. That's a great... That's cool. I, I've never heard that before. I know that this is actually... Um, this is uh, kind of based on a real thing that happened. That is, uh, But it, I don't think it was with frogs. I think it was with fish. But I think the story is huh. somewhere in like Nevada. A cyclone or a twister picked up like a lake, <laughs> oh, and it crazy. threw all the fish at a city. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you imagine you just like right. look out the window and there's <laughs> trout falling from the sky. Yes, dude. I know, right? <laughs> I think like I think that's the story here. Um, cool. And it's cool. Yeah, it's 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 so. Uh, I I don't. I think frogs is cool because it has the biblical tie-in, which you know maybe we can get into like a, a you know some of the biblical themes of the film maybe at the end but i think i think it it works for me in in such a way that it kind of reminds you what the the tone that the beginning sets you're sort of reminded oh yeah this this is a weird movie <laughs> this is a movie about yeah. weird stuff <laughs> yes i do love that i love that so much about this movie um is i i I've, wa- I've watched this movie with people who were seeing it for the first time, mm-hmm. and just that reaction is is so great. It's priceless uh, to witness. So Jim counsels Donnie and helps him return the money. Uh, his gun also mysteriously falls from the sky. Frank goes to the hospital to be with Linda, who will recover from her attempted suicide. Stanley returns home and tells his father that he needs to be kinder to him, mm. but his father just tells him to go to bed. Uh, this is one of my favorite moments too. I love, um, I, I you know you root for Stanley. Stanley's a good yeah, kid. you want uh, Stanley to have a nice life. Jim goes to see Claudia, telling her he wants to make things work between them, and uh, she smiles in reply. So I was watching this with subtitles on. Yes, me too. As I like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this last scene. 
the music, the Amy Mann song is pretty loud. Right. And you can like hear John C. Riley talking. Right. But if I didn't have those subtitles on, I would not have heard what he said, I don't think. And I'm wondering if there's normally subtitles there regardless. Because you wouldn't get that. Unless there was something weird going on with like the sound mix of whatever I was watching. Uh, no, no, no. You're. I think it's meant to be quiet in the mix, sort of like uh, that famous Lost in Translation scene with Bill Murray whispers in her ear. We never know what it, he said, you know. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But but yeah, with subtitles on, it clears it right up. You can you can hear exactly what he's saying. I will say this is like uh, if I were to pick out like what is sort of the a story of this movie. Mm. Um, cause typically you might end with something involving like the A story. I don't know that this is what I would have thought we would end on oh, necessarily, really? but I wasn't like dissatisfied with it. Yeah. I would think we would end on like, we don't really get, do we get any sort of closure with, uh, Cruz's character? Yeah. Yeah. He ends up having to connect with Linda. Right. Oh at yeah. The hospital. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I would, what else I would have wanted. I do. I'm not dissatisfied with this ending. I just, it, it's interesting to me that this is the story that we wrap up on. I, I like it. Uh, I like the ending. You know, apparently, hers, Claudia's story was where he started. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, when he wrote the, the movie, apparently that was the pedal, quote unquote, he started with. Okay. Um, yeah, she's sort of the 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 wellspring for which all the characters were created. Uh, so I guess to him, he kind of sees her as being, if there was a main character, which there's not, but if there was, it'd, it'd probably be her. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind it. I think it's cool. I I you know I I don't love. I I liked it better when I didn't know what John C. Riley was saying to her. I felt like he was kind of saying some stuff that in 2020s with 2020 eyes i was like i don't think you should be telling her what to do buddy like i don't know <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah you're right you know you're right. uh but yeah. but i but i think it's like it was i definitely have watched this before thinking it was really sweet like i th- i uh previously have seen it and thought what he was saying was really sweet but um but yeah i uh i yeah so i i want to also just uh, earlier, I said that he thought Magnolia was for better or worse the best movie I'll ever make. I quoted that earlier because I was from IMDb, but in Wikipedia, there's this like little entry in the critical response to the film where uh, it says later, however, after he has already said that quote, he came to consider it over long. <laughs> when asked in a Reddit AMA what he would tell himself to do if he could go back in time when he shot the movie, his response was chill the out and cut 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i think i remember reading that yeah 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 i mean i don't know i mean because i'm such a i'm such a guy who will get so mad when a bad movie or even like a pretty good movie is too long like even uh I'm trying to think of a good example like zodiac is a movie where i'm like i love that movie make it 20 minutes shorter you know uh, what i mean yeah mm-hmm. um but for whatever reason, Magnolia, even though this time around I had to watch it in three chunks, I'm like, it could it could be even longer Same. if it, if I it think needed so. to be. Yeah, I think so you too. Know. In fact, I, I kind of wanted more uh, this, this go around. 
that uh, from some of the other characters. Um, I don't think I want less from anybody. I don't think there's anybody I don't I I dislike. Um, Jeremy, here's a question for you. Yeah. You know, we get a PTA every you know, let's say every three or four years or something, we get a PTA. Right. Um, two to four years. So you 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 get your choice of either. An original series created by Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that runs for, let's say, like three seasons. Yeah. Or two PTA movies. What do you oh, think? Oh, I guess two PTA movies. I want to yeah, see two movies. Yeah. The the show idea is really cool. If I if I if he committed to directing every episode and writing every episode, I yeah. you've now you're sweetening the pot a little bit, but I I would be too worried uh, after, especially after watching Bly Manor, which I think takes a really terrible turn at some point. And oh no! I, I think I think the look of it too, like you know the the original director of the show uh, only directed one episode in this season, and you could really tell. So, you know, I think if PTA made a show, he'd probably farm out the directing to some other people, right? Like that's usually how mm. shows go, and I'm like. I don't know if I'd like that, you know. I I want uh I'd I'd want it to be all him the whole time. Like like how David Lynch did the return, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, if that if that was on the table, that would be interesting, but I think just, you know, two movies would be awesome. Although, you know, I I want to see him uh go back to this style of filmmaking. Like, don't you kind of feel like he's been doing something a little different for the past few movies? Yeah. Kind of like a different style of, of film. Like, I feel like from from when he made There Will Be Blood on, it's like he's got a new... They've all been period pieces. All period pieces. They've all, they've all been like uh, with a different DP, I think. So okay. they all look a little different. Uh, they all look very, um, you know, kind of washed out and... Uh, they all they all tend to focus on one character at a time, like uh, they, they, like uh, there'll be blood, punch drunk, uh, uh, Phantom Thread, and um, the seventies one, Inherent Vice. Those are all this follow one character the whole movie. Mm. Uh, the Master it follows two characters. But uh, right. I I would want to see uh, I want to see another one of these like big cast, big sprawling cast. You know, he's working with all these juggling all these stories, and um, I don't know. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. What is, What is he doing? At the I know one of the Heim the Heim uh, girls is in. Uh, his That's new right. Movie, and Brad, Bradley with... Cooper is I think set to star. Yeah, and there's another kid. There's a there's a boy actor that I remember reading is in it uh who I thought was a good could be good. Oh, well, Ben uh Benny Safdie is in it. One of the Safdie brothers. <laughs> oh, he is. Okay. I th- I th- I'm thinking of like a younger like a kid or something maybe, but I, I don't know. Um yeah, excited for that. Uh Yeah, I would like to see PTA, you know, if he's bouncing around to different cinematographers, work with Peter Deming, who did yeah. uh, The Return and oh yeah, you know a lot of the great David Lynch movies. Um, yeah, so Jeremy, I guess well, I I gotta know. I'm dying to know. Is Magnolia still your favorite movie? How'd you feel watching it 
for this however many times it's been. This is probably not even kidding in the 30s, like 30 times I've watched this movie. Uh, definitely in for a while. It's no longer my favorite movie. I'll say that. No longer my favorite movie of all time. Um, you know, I, I think PTA is kind of one of those directors where uh, the last one I've, I saw is my favorite, you know? Um, kind of like Wes Anderson to me. It's like the last, the last one I've seen is my favorite one of theirs. But I think if I'm being completely honest, like my all time favorite PTA is probably Boogie Nights at this point. Mm. I just think that Boogie Nights to me, what it has over Magnolia is that because it is following a central protagonist and the movie actually feels like, a little bit more chill, like a little bit more wieldy. Like to me, Magnolia, what's charming about it is um, also what I think is it's one of its biggest flaws in that it's just, it's just too ambitious for its own good. It's like too much of a movie is, is kind of, uh, is kind of happening uh, here. Uh, it, kind of in a, in a good way, I, I, I think, you know? Um, but I also think, yeah, it's, it can be a little. Uh, it can be a little like. Um, I don't think everything gets tied up as well as it could, and um, yeah. So uh, I like what Roger Ebert says about the film. Sorry, I was all those things I was just saying before. I was just stalling because I was trying to find this quote. Uh, <laughs> Magnolia is the kind of film I instinctively respond to. Leave logic at the door. Do not expect subdued taste and restraint, but instead a kind of op- operatic ecstasy. <laughs> And I totally agree with that. Like it is, it is not a very grounded movie. It is like a wild movie with no restraint, like no ideas were left on the table here. Um, so yeah, I, I found the movie like as emotionally impactful as ever during this, during this viewing. Um, I cried throughout the film. I uh, found myself loving parts of it more than I ever have. Unfortunately, just because it has been 21 years, I found myself at odds with some of some of Magnolia. One of the things I found myself at odds with was uh, it's not so much just the lack of uh, people of color in the movie, um, but it's the, it's kind of like we get four black characters and... Uh, three of them, three of the four are criminals. And mm, it's yeah. like not, it's it, to me, um, uh, that's not like a uh, good ratio for a, uh, no. a, a, a yeah. film where it's an ensemble cast. Uh, I mentioned this to my friend Ravi Kieran. He is the co-host of Double Double Feature Feature. He's also a person of color, and you know he kind of said, "Yeah, that he agreed." Uh, his his point was like, he's like, "Yeah, I agree," but I I do think that uh, these people would be white people. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do, yeah. But I think if this movie were to be made today, it'd be really hard to rationalize. Like, okay, well, why is everybody? white and like why like like the very opening scene is john c Riley, uh, a cop who is just entering into a woman's house who's black and her portrayal is not the most sensitive and then he's also sort of abusing his powers as a police officer which like reminds me of my next sort of thing that i didn't love about this this viewing of is that john c Riley's character in the wake of 
2020 and what we sort of know about police is like a lot less charming to me. He was very yeah, charming sure. to me when I first, yeah. So did you kind of feel the same way? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved him growing up, but now I'm watching him with sort of fresh eyes and like, even the way he treats Claudia, I'm like, I was kind of creeped out by, I was like, get, he's just in her house and he won't leave. And to me, it felt like, uh, hey, this is a police officer definitely using his his badge to sort of get away with, uh, you know, kind of going outside the law. I mean, they even make a joke about it in the film where they're mm. like, is this like normal police procedural, you know, for you to like ask a girl for a number? And he's like, no, in fact, I could probably get in trouble. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, which is way more charming when you're, I think, far more ignorant. Uh, now is sort of yes. like a little less charming. I, that's not to say I, do, I absolutely hate his character, and that's not to say that I don't think him and the chemistry with him and uh, uh, Walters doesn't work, because I do think it works. I still like that love story, but um, I'm definitely also happy that they made him a, they do make him a bad cop, because that it helps. It helps sort of cut through the, you know, cops are great kind of, bs but um but yeah i think overall this is still one of my all-time favorite movies um of all time and i think it is still one of my favorite pta movies it's definitely i definitely like this movie more than i'd say like maybe half of other you know like i i'm it's it's up there for me probably top three pta is still for sure um nice definitely things about it i'd i'd uh you know I'd uh, change or wish wish were different, but I mean that just kind of it's 1999. This movie's made in 1999. I mean, uh, and of course, you know, as somebody pointed out on Twitter recently, I really liked. You know, you don't have just because you like a movie doesn't mean you have to agree with all of its politics. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, so, what did you think, Eric? Yeah, I think you know every time I watch this movie, I'm still kind of blown away by it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, to me, what I really took away this time is like, wow, this really is from the Amy Mann song to all the, all the actors that are in it, uh, you know, and the look of things. This really is like a beautiful snapshot of like a moment in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and a moment Mm -hmm. in just like culture that... It's nice. I, I like that I can, because I, this is a time where I was like conscious and aware of, uh, you know, my surroundings. And it it was just, it's nice to sort of like revisit this specific time for some reason. I really enjoyed seeing Tom Cruise in that, you know, era of Tom Cruise. Same goes for, you know, pretty much all the other performers in this. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of uh, surprised that I haven't gone as deep as you have into sort of like the Easter eggs and stuff. Cause I do tend to, you know, at least with David Lynch I te- and, and Kubrick, I tend to really like that, that kind of stuff. And I guess I'd never really considered that PTA was a guy that would do that, but of course he, he is. So now I'm kind of curious to, to look into some of that stuff um, for these movies we have coming up. Uh, yeah, it's, I think I will say, you know, just because of its length and, uh, just, you know, Boogie Nights has some good humor and I I think everything we've seen so far has some good, you know, comedic moments that really, 
you know, they 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 can really help, and I don't think that much of that is really appropriate in Magnolia. Right. You know, so it's, it's <laughs> right. fine that there's not a lot of humor in it, but it's just like three hours of feeling like uh, unsettled, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a bad way necessarily, but for that reason, it's it's definitely not my favorite PTA movie, but it's up there for me. I think... I think before I'm really interested to watch Punch Drunk again because I think I said that that before rewatching all of these is my favorite, either that or The Master. Um, and Punch Drunk, you know, I'm looking through stills of it and I'm looking at, you know, it's a tight 90 minutes. I uh, it's got the Sandman. <laughs> I'm really I, my hopes are high for watching Punch Drunk again and uh who knows. Well, but, Eric, I'm yeah. going to encourage you before our Punch Drunk screening uh-huh. to go in and do this sort of deep dive into the hidden stuff because that movie has a ton oh. of easter eggs also. Like a ton of, okay. of of fun cool stuff that's hidden throughout. Okay. I'll make a note of that. Um yeah. So, you know, I guess we didn't do our uh, I forgot to say to give it a rating, but Jeremy, oh, right. what would you rate? What would you rate uh, Magnolia out of four Chucky Freckles? Three point seven five Chucky Freckles out of four. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it is almost you know because the only two I've given a four to are Boogie Nights and Royal Tenenbaums, and I do think this movie for me is just a point two five below those movies. Yeah, I'll give this bad boy a three point five. Uh, you know what? I'll give it a three point five too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. Yeah, I I was kind of wavering, but then I was like, you know, I I there is a middle ground between Boogie Nights and Magnolia with PTA coming up, so I do, I want to make room for that. Um, right. Yeah. Um. Cool. So yeah, sign up for that Patreon. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're doing. Uh, we have a tier also where you can force us to do episodes on specific movies. Um. And uh, we're doing one of those this month, Jeremy, although we'll talk on the Patreon episode. I got uh, Brian's suggestion for this month. Um, And then, uh, yeah, we're doing No Shave November. We'll we'll be doing Christmas movies in December. January, who knows what the hell we'll be up to, but uh, you can can be sure it's going to be pretty damn good. So, Jeremy, anything uh, you want to plug? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, All right. Well, Norma. I'll see you in my dreams.